The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So continuing the exploration of the Satipatthana Sutta, wise mindfulness within the context of the Eightfold Path. Um, um, been exploring some of the teachings that are found in the Satipatthana Sutta. I spent the last several times in this class looking at the Satipatthana Sutta in general, the, um, the kind of the overview of the, of the definition of mindfulness and a, a little bit of an overview of the four um, areas, we could say. The, they're called, sometimes called foundations, the four foundations of mindfulness, Satipatthana, uh, sati means mindfulness. Patana means something like foundation or standing with. Um, Bhikkhu Analyo translates it as establishment. Um, and I like that particular flavor of the translation because it, instead of, you know, foundation feels like something that's a thing. Um, and establishment sounds more like a process. And I think that the Satipatthana Sutta is pointing more to process than thing. So, uh, so I like that kind of, what it evokes any, anyway, the establishment of mindfulness with the body, the establishment of mindfulness with feelings. These are the different areas in the Satipatthana Sutta. The establishment of mindfulness with mind states, the establishment of mindfulness with experience in general, and with experience in general from various perspectives, from various Dharma perspectives, that's the fourth foundation. So I'm gonna go through these, um, these areas of the Satipatthana and explore what it means, both to explore it from the perspective of um, how we can cultivate that particular area and also what it might mean to have that area be more um, just attuned to if that's what's kind of more, most, most obvious in experience. Because the Satipatthana Sutta can be thought of in those two different ways, either as a kind of a directed ex, ex, um, ex, explanation or a directed exercise. So for instance, within the body, there, is, uh, there are six, I think, yeah, six exercises that are described. And some of them can be... Um, maybe each of them can be thought of either as a kind of like, look at this area, you know, aim your mind there and explore that particular area. It can be thought of that way as a kind of a directive or a direction of which, what to explore, or it can be also thought of as more receptive. When you are experiencing this part of your experience, here's a way to be connected with it. So it can both be, um, um, kind of uh, directing or instructional, we could say, could be described of as an instruction to pay attention to this thing. And it can also be understood as more descriptive of what can be noticed in various aspects of our experience. So, uh, so both perspectives are possible with the Satipatthana Sutta. So I'm going to try to explore explore them from both perspectives as we go. And also, you know, try to weave in the, um, the flavor of what we've been exploring the last few weeks, the flavor of the refrain 
because that is more, more the how to be attentive or the how to pay attention to experience, the kind of the, 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 the wisdom or the view or the kind of what's, what's useful in terms of freeing the mind, the, the, the refrain section being a pointing to those areas of experience that help the mind to wake up to um, the understandings of impermanent experience, unreliable experience, and the not-self nature of experience. So the, the refrain, um, you know, for example, just as, as an example of this, uh, with the body, uh, we can pay attention internally, which is mostly what we have talked about in, in meditation classes, instructions. We talk about looking at our own experience. What is the experience of the breath here? What is the experience of the body here? Um, and yet there's also the possibility to be aware of other people that 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 you know that they are breathing that they have sensations in their body and so there's the the kind of the exploration both internally and externally so um just a kind of an overview of the body the foundation of the body with six exercises in the foundation of the body there's no way i'm going to try to cover that all today so, you know, I, I, I want to take time with each area. So I'll just, you know, name the areas right now. And we'll, we'll look at one, I think just probably one today. Um, there's, and, and this one that I want to talk about today deserves, you know, it might even deserve two classes or three. I don't know, because the, the mindfulness of the breathing is a big thing in our, in our practice. Um, so um, th that's the first exercise in the, in the Satipatthana Sutta is mindfulness of breathing. Um, so another, another kind of big perspective, well, I'll, I'll name them first. Okay, so there's mindfulness of breathing. Then there's um, mindfulness of posture, being aware whether you're standing, sitting, walking, lying down, just at a very broad level, just knowing what posture you're in. That, that is, it, it, the instruction goes something like, when standing, know that you're standing. When sitting, know that you're sitting. So very simple. Um, and then um, the exploration of clear comprehension, which is maybe it could be more called daily activities or nor, you know, regular activities that expands the posture instruction quite a bit. You know, the posture is the most gross kind of activity that we do. Are we sitting? Are we standing? Are we walking? The, um, the section on clear comprehension expands that into know whether you're bending or extending your limbs. Know whether you're going or coming from some place. So this is also taking in context. Like it includes some context there, whether you are going or coming from some place. It's not just about the physicality. It's about understanding the context in which something is happening. Uh, it talks about um, um, you know, speaking and remaining silent. It even brings in urinating and defecating. I mean, it, it brings in all of the, the you know, that's, that to me is, is really interesting that nothing is left out of our exploration of our spiritual um, awareness. You know, that, that even that part of our experience is, is, is understood as valuable for waking up. So nothing is left out of our exploration, of our mindful exploration. 
Then the, the next one is um, um, elements. I believe the next one is elements that kind of we explore that elemental nature of experience, which I pointed to in the guided meditation. Um, in the Buddhist time, they explored it from the perspective of the four elements that were understood at the time, earth, air, fire, water. But even the commentaries point out that those, um, those uh, areas of elements translates into specific kinds of sensations. So the air element, for instance, is kind of the vibratory moving uh, sensation level of experience. So vibration, tingling, pulsing, pressure, uh, any, anything that has a sense of movement. Um, the the um, moisture, the water element is the experience of moisture, of liquidity or dryness. The temperature element is heat and coolness. The um, uh, earth element is hardness, um, softness, that kind of, of experience, the density, the weight of, of the body, the, the sense of, um, you know, just like the... the earthy quality of our, you know, the fleshy quality of our experience. Um, so those, those areas of, um, those can be directly experienced, those sensation level of, of, um, of um, experience can be directly experienced with mindfulness. And it's useful because we tend to experience things not at that direct sensation level, but more at the concept level you know, we think about, oh, yeah, I, I know I am, I'm experiencing my hand, but we don't experience hand. We experience sensations in that, there, that rough area. You know, we experience a vibration, a coolness, a heat, a pressure, a, and then our mind makes hand out of it. Uh, so the, you know, it kind of helps the, I think the entirety of the exploration around the body helps the mind to begin to tease apart what actual bodily experiences and what mental experiences. And this is useful because so much of our, um, um, our struggles in, in general, our struggles are kind of a, the relationship to experience and in the area of the body, this can be the, one of the easiest places to begin to, to tease apart what the actual experience is and what the relationship to that experience is. So there's coolness and heat and tingling or pressure in the hand. And then there's, um, or, or maybe a, a, a tightness or a, a pressure in the knee. And then there's a relationship to it. You know, I like it. I don't like it. Uh, we think it's painful or pleasant, and we have a relationship to that. And so uh, the awareness of the body begins to help our mind kind of tease apart what's happening in the mind from what's happening in direct experience in the body. Um, and this elemental aspect of experience is a key exploration in that, in that um, regard. And then the, the next exercise is... Um, an exploration of the parts of the body. Um, just recognizing that our body is made up of various components, you could say, you know, the, the, and I think that, that kind of works from outside in, the hair. So there's hair with our body, there's nails, there's 
Um, there's head hairs, there's body hairs, there's nails, there's skin, there's, um, there's fat, there's muscle, you know, so kind of uh, just explores the various aspects of that. To me, this is more of a reflective practice. Um, you know, it, it brings in a kind of a reflection on what this body is as composed of various parts, as opposed to, you know, what we tend to think of it is as a, as a whole. Um, you know, again, that looking at it as a concept of the whole body, um, as, as opposed to kind of recognizing, yes, there are various components of the body. This, this tends to help us to break some of the um, um, identification we might have with the body, some of the cravings we have around the body, um, things like that. Um, and then the last contemplation in the, in the body is a, is a death contemplation. It is exploring, and again, I think of this as a reflective practice more than a direct experience practice. Um, although, you know, it, 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 it can, and in fact, in the, in the sutta, it encourages us to kind of use our visualization. It's like imagining as if you were dead, you know, uh, and uh, sitting at the charnel ground in this case, you know, the charnel ground, a place where bodies are, are thrown um, in, in pits. And, you know, they decompose at various rates. And you could go to the charnel ground and sit there and see the various bodies in their various stages of decomposition. And the reflection is, this too will be me. You know, just to remember this truth. Um, so some of these, some of these um, exercises in the body realm are more direct experience and some of them are more reflective. But I think they all support a... Um, you know, an awareness of our physicality and support a, um, a disidentification with the usual way that we relate to the body. So the, um, the one I want to get into a little bit more today is the, the section on breathing. So I'll, I'll read this section. or I'll read a piece of this section. And how does one abide contemplating the body as a body? One gone to the forest or to the root of a tree or to an empty hut sits down. Having folded the legs crosswise, sets the body erect and establishes mindfulness in front. Ever mindful, one breathes in. Mindful, one breathes out. So that's the first section that kind of sets up the exercise and encourages us to do this in a seated posture, a seated cross-legged posture. In my own experience, the seated cross-legged posture is not necessary for mindfulness of breathing. Um, I've had some physical um, situations in my body where for extended periods of time, I've not been able to sit even in a chair and have done a lot of lying meditation. And I've done whole retreats where my still posture was done in the lying posture, doing concentration practice with the breath. And I can tell you from direct experience, it is possible. It works. Um, so just to, to say that, yes, there is an encouragement to sit upright. I would say that can be a support. Um, certainly, it took me some time to have an alertness in the lying posture, but it was definitely possible. And so if you have a situation where um, you can't do sitting meditation, 
or sit cross-legged. You know, it's like the, the, the relevant pieces here are that there's a mind and a body and that the mind is aware of the body. That's what's necessary here. And there is a kind of support in a way. I mean, I've, I, I certainly hmm, felt some, maybe even like grief in a way at the loss of the cross-legged sitting posture. Um, but, you know, I'm over it. <laughs> so, so um, but it does, it, it can support the energy. So that's a piece, you know, when doing the lying posture, the energy, it's like the upright posture, some of the energy of the body seems to be able to support the mind. In the lying posture, it feels more like the mind does all of the energy. And so it, at least it was actually useful for me because um, um, I, I tended to over effort. And in the lying posture, when you over effort, the mind gets so exhausted. And so it kind of really put me into a place of almost uh, forcing me to do a more relaxed kind of mindfulness practice when I did it in the lying posture. So, um, so mindful one breathes in, mindful one breathes out. The next section is a set of four kind of explorations around the breathing. Breathing in long, one understands I breathe in long. Or breathing out long, one understands I breathe out long. This meaning the extent of the breath. Does it take a long time to breathe in, a long time to breathe out? The next piece is breathing in short, one understands I breathe in short. Or breathing out short, one understands I breathe out short. So kind of a, kind of a noticing of the extent of the breath. Is it a long breath in and out? Is it a short breath in and out? Is it a long breath in, a short breath out? There's kind of a curiosity about that. You can start by kind of playing with a long in-breath and a long out-breath. Um, and seeing, you know, if that supports you. But this, the way this is worded, at least in this translation, it may not be worded this way in other translations, but in this way, it's like breathing in long, you know, it's like when a, a long breath happens, one understands a long breath is happening. That would be another way to explore that, that uh, instruction. So it doesn't necessarily mean we have to start by making our breathing long and then go to making our breathing short. Um, but just noticing how the breath is for you. Is it a long breath? Is it a short breath? So it, it brings in a little bit of curiosity about the length of the breath, which, which supports at a simple level, you know, so again, the, the kind of um, uh, encouragement is to cultivate and establish mindfulness, which is with, you know, establishing mindfulness means kind of Connecting to mindfulness over time, having a kind of a, a little bit of continuity of the mindfulness. And so the connecting to the extent of the breath is like, okay, we can know it's a long in-breath or a long out-breath by being with the whole breath so that we can know that it's a long in-breath and a long out-breath. So that, um, that gives us a, a, a kind of a little bit of an encouragement for the continuity, but it doesn't have to be, again, it can be really kind of stepped back. It doesn't have to be, I know every single little detail of the in-breath and every single little detail of the out-breath, but just like, is it a long breath? Is it a long 
in-breath? Is it a long out-breath? Or is it a short in-breath, a short out-breath? So just that, that understanding of the length of the breath and how we know that. You know, sometimes it might just be because of, um, you know, we, we may, we may, and this can happen at times actually, where we don't really know what the sensations of the breath are. We can't actually identify, okay, I am experiencing this right in this location. It feels more general, it feels more broad, and there's a sense that I know the breath, but I'm not sure how I know the breath. You know, I, I know that I'm breathing in, yes, like, like now, do you know that you're breathing in or breathing out? You, you can know that. Whether you are very clearly conscious of all of the sensations in this part of the instruction is not as important. Just the knowing. Are you breathing in? Are you breathing out? So to me, this, again, points to a little bit of simplification. I think we make it complex at times. It's like, can I know all those little details? And that can happen. You know, as, we, as the mindfulness gets established, then that continuity of mindfulness begins to kind of reveal more detail in the breath. But it's not because we're trying to find it. It's more the result of just that simple, like, okay, yep, that's an, there's an in-breath. I know there's an in-breath, and yep, it's a long in-breath. It's a long out-breath. And that simple kind of connected to that begins to allow the mindfulness to pick up more kind of subtle qualities of the breath. But it's not necessary to start there. And it's not even necessary to stay there because, you know, another thing that seems to happen as... Um, as we attend to the experience of breathing, and one of the kind of the pointers, in the, at least in the commentaries, about why the breath is such a great meditation object is because as we attend to the breathing, the breathing gets more and more subtle. It gets more and more quiet. It gets less and less obvious in a way. And so it kind of begins to, you know, as the mindfulness gets established first with just this knowing, and then perhaps with some of the more obvious sensations of the breath, you know, that, 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 that you know, we might begin to recognize, you know, the sensations of the expansion of the chest and, and the contraction of the chest, or maybe even more kind of detailed sensations of, of kind of like um, little puffs of pressure coming in or out, little, like, like little staged poop, 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 poop popping kind of sensations that might happen. After attending to the breath for a while, it's like those, even those sensations begin to shift and change and get more subtle. And so the, the commentaries say that this is why it's such an excellent uh, experience for mindfulness, because it begins to kind of draw the mindfulness into a closer um, um, connection with experience. Because the experience gets more refined. But that's not something we do. It's not something we make happen. It kind of just unfolds as we attend to the experience. And so the Buddha just offers these simple instructions, breathing in long, breathing, knowing that, breathing out long, knowing that. Um, I'm going to stick with these two for just a moment longer. So something else that you know, can happen 
or that we can begin to recognize around the breath, the long breath, the short breath, is that we might have some ideas about what a good breath is or what it means to be aware of breathing and being mindful of breathing that, you know, we might have this kind of idea that a good meditator would be breathing really long and slow. You know, that not an uncommon view. Um, and, and, you know, the starting here with the long breath, maybe that kind of reinforces that a little bit, but, what I've noticed, actually, in my own experience, as I let go of any idea, because I definitely started there. It's like, okay, yep, long, slow breath, even trying to make myself breathe long and slow. Um, but as I begin to, um, to just, like, notice, well, what kind of breathing is happening? What I began to recognize is that what seems to unfold, at least in my body and in other people that I've talked to, but it may not be true for everybody by any means, um, is that, you know, the breath first starts out really connected to whatever's going on in our minds. You know, it may be, it may be related to an emotion, or, you know, a frustration or confusion or a, an anxiety. And there will be a kind of, there may be a roughness or a shortness or a longness depending on, you know, what the, the mental experience is. As the mind begins to calm down a little bit, the breathing does tend to kind of relax and become a little bit longer and slower. But as the mindfulness stays with that long, slow breath for a while, the breathing gets shorter. It's, it's almost like the, um, the body, as it gets more and more calm, it needs less oxygen or something like that. And so it just does this little like in, out. And there may be longer pauses between the breaths and just little like. And so the, that, that I've actually found pretty interesting that it, the breath undergoes a kind of a natural evolution as we are mindful of it. And so being curious about that evolution to me is a great piece of this first section, knowing whether you're breathing in long or short, at first probably connected to whatever emotional kind of situation is happening, and then more just connected to the mind relaxing. How does the breathing evolve as the mind relaxes? And as there is more relaxation to the body, more relaxation to the mind, what happens in terms of this long breath or short breath? And letting go of the idea that it should stay long and slow because it can get really short and brief. It's very interesting. Even to the point of seeming to disappear. Some, some, some teachers, I say, say it disappears entirely, um, you know, and that you're only breathing through your skin. And I'm not so sure about that, but I think it may just be so quiet, you know, just so refined that it's to the point where we're not really sensing the physical sensations of the breathing. But um, the jury's out. I mean, I, 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 um, I can't say that it's not possible to simply breathe through the skin. <laughs> um, so that's the first section here, breathing in long, breathing in short. The next section, there's a little shift in the language of the 
of the sutta. And so I think, you know, this first part just talks about noticing how you're breathing. The next part talks a little bit more about a training. So the language says, one trains thus. I shall breathe in experiencing the whole body. I shall breathe out experiencing the whole body. So this is more of a directing of the attention. The first part, I think the language is more notice about the long and short quality of the breath. How is it for you? Are you breathing in long? Are you breathing in short? Know that. Because it's not saying one trains long, I breathe in. I mean, one trains, I breathe in long. One trains, I breathe out long. It just says breathing in long, knowing you're breathing in long. So it's not got that directedness to it in that first section. In this next part, it's kind of aiming to, I shall breathe in experiencing the whole body. Now, there's some debate about what this means, about what whole body means. Um, some of the commentaries say it means the length, the whole extent, the length of the breath. Um, various more modern commentators have, have um, looking at the, uh, the translation in the language, um, uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi points out that the word, word there, more, the word that is translated here is experiencing means means that you know it, it it he's translate this is his translation it it is just breathe in experiencing the whole body um not necessarily like trying to breathe through the whole body which might be what you think you know so breathing in through the whole body well that may not be something that you know conceptually we do um although there is an experience in my because i've practiced with one teacher who teaches whole body breathing Tanisaro Bhikkhu. Um, and I spent a couple years with that practice. And there's an interesting kind of experience that happens. You know, it's not the actual air, I would say. You know, it's not that I'm feeling the air through the whole body. But there's a way in which when we breathe in, that there's an energetic kind of ripple effect that goes out through the body. A kind of a uh, a subtle vibratory kind of energy quality that's available to be noticed through the body that, that kind of shifts and changes as we breathe. And, you know, I don't know, uh, my, my kind of scientific mind kind of made up that, uh, you know, as I breathe in, it brings oxygen into the lungs and the blood cells carry that oxygen throughout the whole body. And, you know, so it is energizing the whole body, you know, so I don't know, you know, but in any case, that helped me to not make, um, uh, you know, too much out of this experience. But just, yeah, there's this kind of a sense of more of this, that as you breathe, you can experience the whole body. And this may be more another way to explore this and the, the, a way in for me to explore it with this practice of whole body breathing was kind of to more, um, you know, attend to the breathing, knowing that I'm breathing in and out and seeing, seeing if I can keep my attention broad on the whole body. You know, so it's not a focused attention, it's a broad attention. A broad attention while knowing breathing in and breathing out. So that's, those are different ways to explore um, this, you know, breathe in. I shall breathe in experiencing the whole body. That, that very much describes that perspective that I explored. It's like, keep the attention broad and knowing I'm breathing in. 
keep the attention broad knowing I'm breathing out. Now, again, this creates a more, the way to do that is to be very relaxed. It's almost like, I'm doing it right now. And it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, um, not focusing on any particular experience in the body, but just more the whole body. As I breathe in, just being aware of that whole container. And it, it has to, in my experience, it's pretty relaxed. It's like, it's almost like, it's almost like, here's, a, here's an analogy. Um, when um, you go out in the, I don't know if any of you went out to see the comet, um, you know, the comet was up in the sky a little while ago, and it's kind of this fuzzy patch in the sky. I couldn't see it, you know, with without binoculars because my eyes are aging. <laughs> but um, the, the, the woman that was there helping me find it in the sky um, said, you know, okay, it's this little fuzzy patch. I have to look off to the side. You know, she could see it when she wasn't looking right at it. Um, that's the way our eyes work, you know. It's like there's a way that that the outside part of our visual field is more sensitive to dim light. And so if you don't look directly at something, you might see a fuzzy patch. Uh, and it's kind of that feeling in, in you know, that sense of not looking directly at something. So like right now, you look, looking at the screen, if you're looking at me on the screen or looking at the tiles on the screen, looking at the screen, but also now becoming aware that you can also see other things in the room. You know, so it's like you can know there's other things happening around the edges. It's not a focusing on. It's kind of a relaxing and, and recognizing that there can be a taking in of that. That's the flavor of knowing that you're breathing and having a broad sense of the body. It's kind of like not trying to look at the breath directly, but more of a sense of what's What's being um, exposed or lit up? Another way that Tanisaro Bhikkhu speaks about this, that's a beautiful analogy I find, um, and I've used it in the guided meditations at times, is um, if you have a candle in the middle of a room, you can look right at the candle, know the candle, know something about the flame, you know, know something about that thing. But you can also kind of more broadly, like not look right at the candle and just know that know the light that's lighting up the whole room. That's another way to explore this. It's like, you know, it's the, the awareness of the breath, the knowing of the breath. The knowing doesn't have to be focused on the breath. It can kind of be broader and taking in a broader experience. Then the next section is um, another training. I tra one trains thus, I shall breathe in tranquilizing the bodily formation. One trains thus, I shall breathe out tranquilizing the bodily formation. So this is an exploration of allowing there to be a calming of the breathing. The, the, um, the commentaries say the bodily formation is the experience of in and out breathing. In the whole body experience, it also is more of a sense of the body in general. So it could be, I train, I shall breathe in, kind of calming, allowing the body to become calm, allowing the breathing to become calm. So it's kind of a, an aiming in that direction. 
um, I would say it's not like calm down, you know, because that very activity of like, oh, I'm going to calm down, that agitates the mind. So it's, it's, it's almost more to me of an intention or a question, you know, like, what does it mean for the breathing to calm down? What is it, you know, can you, can body and breath, can you help me like calm down? <laughs> you know, can, can, can the, can the, can the breathing calm down or may the, may the breathing become more relaxed and at ease. So that kind of reflection or uh, connecting with an intention rather than trying to do it because trying to do that is already kind of got some agitation in the mind. So again, to me, this, this steps into more and more relaxation. And I think the, the, the direction of the way this unfolds moves to more and more relaxation. The whole, um, uh, the whole four steps, breathing in long, breathing in short, um, you know, as, as I said, may happen, the, the short breath comes as the breath gets more relaxed, as the mind gets more still. And then the broadening of the experience to the whole body, that takes a little bit more relaxation, less of a kind of an intentional looking at anything. And then the calming piece. We could even think of that as being almost a, the result. It could be that this is what we notice at this point as opposed to something we're even trying to do. But there can be this kind of like inclining towards tranquilizing the body, tranquilizing the breath. One other piece I'll add, and then, yeah, we're coming to the end of the time. This was a longer, a longer talk than I thought it would be. Um, that we can sometimes play with, and this, again, this was taught to me by Tanisaro Bhikkhu, it is not counter to what's in here in the Satipatthana Sutta, um, but it's a particular flavor of using the long breath and short breath kind of to explore or experiment like with what kind of breathing feels most comfortable. And he encourages that from the very beginning, almost integrating the tranquilizing with exploring the long breath and the short breath. He says, you know, you could try. He, he, he said, you know, play with it. Breathe in a little bit longer. Breathe in a little bit shorter. You know, play with that a little bit. Because we have that capacity to control the length of the breath. And kind of looking for what feels most comfortable right now. And that's a kind of a, a, the direction of comfort with the breathing moves us towards calming the, the body and the breath calming the mind to some extent. And so we can play with that. Like, okay, let me start with playing with a long breath and see how does that feel? Okay, that feels pretty good. But at a certain point, it might start to feel like a little bit of doing to keep that long breath going and maybe then shortening it. So, so he encouraged a kind of playing with that to experiment with what kind of breathing feels most comfortable. The where, where I took that at some point was rather than trying to control the breath to figure out what felt most comfortable, I began kind of asking my system, okay, why don't you show me, you know, why don't you show me what a comfortable breath is? Like I, I would just sit down and I'd find my breath and I'd say, okay, may the breathing become comfortable and not try to do that, but kind of just see if there was a little bit of shifting in how the breath was. 
You know, sometimes it, it might have just been a subtle way that the, the body was holding or there was tension around the, the rib cage that released that made the breath more comfortable. So the, you know, so just that dropping in of a kind of a request or a question, what, how might the breathing be comfortable or, or may the breathing become comfortable? So um, we're pretty much at the end of time. I'm sorry we didn't have time for comments or questions. I think we'll stay with the breathing for next week. Um, and maybe I'll do a little bit of a whole body breath meditation at the beginning of next week. And then we can talk a little bit and do some, some uh, follow on questions. So there's more time for, for questions and reflections um, about this from your side. So thank you for, for listening for this whole time. <laughs>